0: For anyone that wants to read along, it's Hebrews chapter 10, and we're beginning at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as the day as you see the day drawing near. So as I've said over the past five, six weeks of our holiday, we've been doing a different series, a series looking at how we can grow up, grow up in our relationship with God and in our maturity as disciples of Jesus Christ and grow out as in how we impact one another and how we impact the world around us. And we've looked at lots of different things as we have explored this series. We've looked at obedience and the importance of obedience. And that was the last one that we looked at. There has been so many different things that we have looked at and their focus on God being the key of it all. When we looked at Psalm eighty four and asked that question, do we have that hunger for God to be in his presence? Can we say like the Psalmist, better is one day in God's house than a thousand elsewhere? And if not, why not? And now we're closing this, and we're closing it looking at community. We're closing it looking at the family of God, that which makes up His church. And this is the place where I believe we would consider it to be God's house. Being part of God's people, being in that place where Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I, in the midst of them, where the church is manifestly present as the gathered people of God. And that's us this morning. And I have to say, one of my major admirations this morning is for those wearing t-shirts. I'm looking around and we're seeing lots of people in t-shirts and it's absolutely freezing in here. So I don't know how people are managing to do that. My hands are like ice blocks, but there, but I felt I really needed to share that because it's very cold. But we are the family of God this morning. As I look around, I see some people that I've had... Enough caffeine to look semi-awake and interested. And I see other people that I think might not last to the end of the sermon and might be sleeping by then. But with the room being so cold, that increases the likelihood that you're probably going to stay awake. But this morning we make up the family of God. Now there are lots of our brothers and sisters who aren't here this morning. And we've got visitors with us this morning as well, which is excellent. But we all make up that family of God nonetheless, because God's family isn't just this church, it's universal. But we are one specific part of that that church. A cell, if you want to continue with the body imagery, we are part of that huge body. Billions of people that will be gathering today today to express the thanksgiving and praise to God as saviour. Church and Christianity have been hand in hand since the very beginning. When Jesus came and when Jesus paid that price, the first thing he did was establish a church. And we see that in the beginning of Acts and then we see the remarkable things that happen because the church happens when the Holy Spirit descends and, and all of a sudden people are filled with this promised helper, the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides and convicts and sanctifies, makes Christians more like Jesus Christ as we go through our Christian walk. The church then when you look in the bible is very important it's given all sorts of different names it's given names such as the body of christ it is his body on this world therefore it is the 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 thing the entity which is going to continue to impact this world with the gospel and the things that jesus christ achieved when he came when he taught when he lived when he died when he was resurrected it's called even the Bride of Christ, something that Jesus Christ is coming back and claiming as his bride. Quite, remar- quite remarkable language that is used to describe the church. And yet, we, we live in an age increasingly, I think, when church is seen as something optional. Something that we, we might do if we're up in time or if there's nothing better for people to be doing. And I, I, I'm sure we've all, every single one of us, at least 25 times heard the illustration of the coals. And there will be people in this church, due to their love of barbecue, and they would know this very well. That if you have coals and you separate one, what happens to that coal? Somebody, come on. Everyone's done a barbecue. It cools down. Yes. The coal cools down. And that metaphor is used so often for the church. When we gather together, it keeps the fire. But when we leave, we cool. And I think that's actually quite an apt metaphor for the church. God has instituted it, that the church gathers together. That people gather as part of a Christian community and do the things that make up the Christian community. It's not actually something that is optional. But yeah, all of us that have been kicking around churches for a while will know churches aren't always the easiest places to be in. Churches can at times inflict things that we would consider cruel upon us. We could feel at times that we've been judged. We could feel at times that we've been discouraged. Sometimes actually we can find that we leave a church after a service, feeling much lower and discouraged that when we went in, churches don't have the best track record for doing the kind of things that they're meant to do. One of the stories that really struck me was there is an offer that maybe some people have heard of, Anne Rice. She wrote The Interview with a Vampire and the many books that followed that. And she had a really, what she would consider strong Christian conversion after she wrote these books, and actually began writing some Christian material. But not long after that, she renounced Christianity and the church, and her reason for doing so was she never ever wanted to be in the room with another group of Christians again. So much so was the impact, the negative impact, that 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 church had had on her young walk with Jesus Christ, and turned her back on the whole thing. Sometimes we might have even found ourselves thinking, why Jesus? Why? Why did you dream up the church? And there are many, many reasons why Jesus has. And we're going to look at some of these reasons this morning. Church could be a place where we feel frustrated when our expectations aren't met. When it feels extremely cold, as it does this morning. It will take me a while to heat up. We might have our views on the worship, or the sermons, or the Bible version, or the seats, or a multitude of other things. But why do we do church? I read a quote, and this has came up a few times, that says, Churches are filled with sinners, but worse still, they're given sinners for pastors. And there is a lot of truth in that. One of the reasons why we might feel frustrations in our churches is because churches are filled with sinners. And as sinners, we do things and we say things at times that aren't always ideal. But yet we also know that churches can be amazing places. Churches can be places filled with encouragement and support and care and love and prayer And I think that these are part of the reasons why living in community is so important. So why is church so important? Looking beyond the fact that actually each of us is made as social beings. We're designed to live in community because we're created by a God who lives in community. We have a desire to be in community. And when we're part of community, it's to shape us. What does the Bible actually tell us? about church. And I want to just look at a few of the things that we're told in Hebrews. And the first of these is that we are to stir one another up. And I find, I find that quite interesting language. I don't know if this is a Fifeism or if it's a Scottish word, but for me, when, when I was told anything about stirring, it was a negative thing. It would be like my mum telling me, stop stirring it up, which would mean I was generally trying to create trouble of some form or another people are nodding their heads so that's obviously not just a fife thing it, it, it goes it goes it goes way further it apparently crosses the scottish border as well i have been informed but there is actually it turns out a positive form of stirring and that's what the bible is calling us as christians to do we have to try and stir one another towards love and good works this is the first thing that we're told in verse 24 and how do we do that then I mean, it's one thing just to say, let's stir one another up towards love and good works, but how do we actually do that? We could try, we want it to be really bold and controversial, we could kind of have, have a league table, and we could chart one another based on how we thought people were doing. That would certainly put it in the forefront of our minds, but don't worry, we wouldn't have relegation on the table, because that's caused enough pain over the last year or so. I don't think that would be a very good approach, though. It wouldn't work at all. A chart wouldn't work. But I have two suggestions that I think might work when it comes to helping us to stir one another up towards love and good works. And the first of these is for each of us, as individuals, to intentionally decide to do these things. Now, I think we all do this. We all desire to show love. We all desire to do good works. Because we all have the Holy Spirit in us. But what I'm saying is to make sure that we make a real intentional choice to do these things. A real intentional choice to love other people, within the church and out with the church. A real intentional choice to do good works when the opportunities present themselves. And as we do that, As we keep these things at the forefront of our minds and they become more part of our nature and our personality, we can do what I think would be the second part of this. And that would be that we create a culture where these things are a major focus. Now I think these things are a major focus of most churches. But I think an intentionality about these things is also very good. So as we as individuals focus on these things, increasingly so, they will then become part of our culture and community as a gathered people as well. But as I, I'm talking about love and good works, I think to myself as well, these are hard things to do. We've spoken about church And at times, we can butt heads with people in our church family. At times, we can get frustrated with things. To show love and to show good works are sometimes costly. But that's a good thing. Because when they're costly, they're like they were for Jesus Christ. Jesus Jesus Christ's love was sacrificial. At times, painful. His good works... Meant laying down his life, ultimately, for us. So they can be costly. They can be challenging. They might mean dying to self. At Other times, they might be absolutely easy and joyful and simple. The good works are obvious and things that we're quite happy to do. The people that are around us that the Bible asks us to love are those that we get along with and don't annoy us too much. Other times, they can be difficult. They can be frustrating. But the challenge from Scripture remains the same, regardless of the of the people, or the situation. We're to love and to do good works. And when we think of the times that that might be a challenge, it's a little wonder then that the Bible is encouraging us as communities to try and spur one another on to do it, because it's not easy. It's difficult. It's hard. There are people in our lives that we don't want to love. That's just the plain and simple truth. But yet, there is a Bible that tells us that we are to love them nonetheless. We need people to help us do that. We need prayer to help us do that. We need communities where that becomes one of the fundamental cultures. I think it is for us. But what I'm encouraging us is to be intentional. So tomorrow when Monday morning comes and you wake up, I don't know what time you wake up at, and you get ready for work and not school tomorrow, that's something to be thankful for, I'm sure. But whatever you're going to do tomorrow and you have your quiet time, if you have a quiet time in the morning, if not, then add this in. Pray to God. And be intentional and, and ask him to give you the strength to love those that you're going to come in, 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 into contact with. And maybe there's going to be a few people that you know that's going to be tricky. Ask God to give you the strength to do so and to lead you clearly in good works. Be intentional about that. And as we are intentional about it, we can encourage one another to be intentional about it too. And it becomes part of a culture and culture shapes us. It does. Culture shapes the people that make it up. Everyone's heard the chicken and the egg, what came first. I had a look in the science museum, they didn't have an answer for that either. But it's the same with culture, which comes first? The culture that shapes the people, or the people that make up the culture? I'll leave you to ponder that one. I did a whole module at the Baptist College on it, and I never could work out the answer to that. But culture shapes us. So let's, in our lives, in this coming week, seek to really ask God to help us when it comes to the love and good works that He's asking from us. And we do have, I think, a very unique culture. I and mean, one of the things that I've seen especially over the last couple of weeks, is we have a real powerful culture for caring for one another, for those in hospital, to those suffering, suffering grief. People step up, people do stuff, people care for one another, be it setting stuff up and moving equipment, tidying up, providing meals, doing laundry, all these different kind of things. That's part of our culture. And we might think it's a biblical given that every church is like that, but it's not the case. But it's part of our culture and we should be thankful for that. Let's seek to keep adding into our culture more and more of the things that God wants each of us to be demonstrating in powerful ways in our everyday life. So we have to stir one another up, not in a negative way where we all get annoyed with one another, but in a positive way where we encourage one another towards love and good works. And we're not to give up either. We're not to give up gathering together as some may get into the habit of doing, and the reality check when it comes to church life, and it doesn't matter whether you're a member, whether you're not a member, whether you're a deacon, or even whether you're the pastor, there are things in churches that don't go as we would like them to. That's just the reality of being part of a community, the same as there's things in the house that doesn't go as we would like it to. For instance, I open Jonah's door and look in his bedroom, and it's an absolute horrific hobble of a, of a mess. <laughs> I've lost track of the amount of times I've told them to tidy that room up. That doesn't go as I would like it to. That's part of being in a family, although that room is getting tidied. (laughs) And it's part of being in a church community as well. There will be times people will irritate us. There will be times we're going to disagree with others, be it over doctrine or theology or or politics or our view of the world or how we bring up our children or a multitude of different things. There'll be times we disagree with the leaders. There might be even times we disagree with the whole church and come out of a church meeting thinking every single person has got it wrong. And you actually might be right, they might have got it wrong. That's part of living in community. The music might not always be to our taste. The sermons might be too long or they might be too short. The tea and the coffee, it may be good or it may be bad. The cakes, well, the cakes are actually always excellent, so that's fine. We don't have to worry about that one but there are always going to be things and living in part of a community and we are a community that's probably around 80 adults and a lot of children living in that amount of people can be tricky and things will not always go as we expect or we would hope or we would like them to we will all, all heard that phrase my church has issues I said that a lot when I was a member in Leslie, I did And we've probably all said things along the same lines. Well, as we said earlier on, churches are filled with sinners and have pastors for sinners too. There's going to be issues. But what the Bible calls us to do is to be faithful and prioritize meeting and gathering with God's people. Even if things aren't always as we might like them to be. And why? Well, we've already looked at one of the reasons why. Because we've to spur one another on in our walks. But much happens that's also important. Think about what we do as we gather together as God's people. We enter the presence of God as his gathered church. That's important. We encourage one another, and we're going to look at that in a second. We listen and listen out for the voice of God as, as, as we look through the Bible together. There's accountability, there's prayer, there's worship. But above all else, I think, There's obedience. There is obedience to what God asks us to do as Christians. One of these things is to gather together as his people. And we learn what our gifts are and we grow in them as well. So we are to keep meeting together. Even when we might not think things are going as we would like them to go. And we are to encourage one another as well. To encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. And I think encouragement is the fuel that keeps us going. I really do. I think it's the fuel that keeps us going. The Bible tells us that we are in an endurance race. That we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. But it also tells us that we're to try and shake off all that hinders us. This will be the sin and all sorts of different things. These things that weigh us down and slow us down. And I think encouragement from our brothers and sisters is so absolutely important. That as Christians, we are to look not at the things that we might think, oh, this is an issue or a frustration or, or, or this or, or that. But we are to try and build one another up and encourage one another. In our world, it's hard to be Christian. It is. I think that's always been the case. We can be thankful that unlike the early Christians, we're not hunted down we're not put in bags coated with oil and used as lighting. But nonetheless, it's difficult to be Christians in our age. We we are viewed as a backward people who are unenlightened, holding on to ancient mythologies that the enlightened people have long since cast off. One of the views that the world sees of us, we follow ethics and principles that aren't of this age anymore. The world doesn't see things the way Christians do. The Bible asks us to do things that cost, that hurt sometimes. It asks us to forgive. It asks us to love. It asks us to overcome evil with good. It asks us to take leaps of faith when we think God is calling us to do things. These are hard things to do. These are costly things to do. And if this wasn't tricky enough, we have an enemy that seeks to destroy us, to discourage us, to dishearten us, to frustrate us, to get us to focus on ourselves or the issues or the frustrations and not on God and the hope that he has given us. He wants to distort how we see our brothers and sisters, to fill our minds with suspicion and hostility towards one another, to make it as hard as possible for us to forgive one another and to move on. That makes things even trickier. Being a Christian can be hard. It can at times be discouraging. And it can be isolating when we have to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ in a world which is increasingly hostile to his message, I do believe encouragement can change those feelings. That when we encourage one another, it lifts us, it gives us hope, it keeps us going, and it maybe even allows us to open up about the battles that we're facing because we believe at that moment somebody cares. And therefore we can speak to them about what it is that we're facing and we can get prayer for that. And much like love and much like good works, this is something to be intentional about. I wonder if I was to ask each of us to cast our minds back to last Sunday, whether you were at this church or whether you were at a different church. How many people did you intentionally seek out to give encouragement to? Was it one, two, five, ten? I don't know. But how many people did you intentionally seek out to give encouragement to? I think if we're going to prioritise things that we are intentional about, encouragement is so important. Because it's one of the things that is so vital to our walk as Christians that we feel encouraged, we feel we have the support of our community, our brothers and sisters, that they're behind us, that they care, that they're praying for us. So be intentional about it. I don't know if you thought actually my number was zero last week when it comes to actually deliberately going to encourage somebody. Maybe it was. Then this week make it one. We go through and we do tea and coffee at the end of our services. It's it's a great time. Tea and coffee is often pretty good. It's hot with leaking lids. The cakes, as I said, are generally very, very good. But there is a time in which we have ample opportunity to encourage our brothers and sisters. To ask them how things are. How their walk with Jesus Christ is going. To offer encouragement and maybe even prayer. Be intentional about it. If your number was zero last week, make it one. If it was one last week, this week, make it two. We need to encourage one another. I don't know what is going on in every single person sat here this morning's lives, but I know what's going on in a good few of the people's lives that are sat here this morning. The battles, the difficulties, what life can throw at us. We need encouragement to build one another up, as the Bible calls it. And it's so very and vitally important. So be intentional about it. Encourage and build up your brothers and sisters. Because the reality is we all need it. All of us. Whether we're the most confident, extroverted person in this roof, roof, room or the quietest, introverted person in this room. We all need encouragement. And note the urgency here as well in what Hebrews tells us. All the more as we see the day drawing near. Now this letter was written 1,900 years ago perhaps. The day is definitely closer now than it was then. Whether we are one of these people that focuses a lot on the end times and believes that we are seeing the symbols of Revelation fulfilled now, or whether we think the time might be further off, the time is close. Much closer than it was then be urgent. Be urgent to encourage your brothers and sisters. Be urgent because the Bible tells us to do so. Be urgent because we know that it's important. Be urgent because with that encouragement, we help one another to run the races that God has put us on. We help one another to face up to the challenges that we're facing in our lives We help one another feel secure to take the leaps of faith that God might be calling us to take. We help one another stand up and dust ourselves off after the terrible weeks that we will all have at times and feel that we have a community that has our back and cares for us. So my encouragement, this week, when it comes to encouragement, up your number. Whatever number sprung to your head last week, up bet this week. We can never encourage people too much. And recognise the urgency of it. So why do we do church? We do church for a multiple of different reasons. But a part of the things that make up the identity of being part of a church is to encourage one another. It's to spur one another up, on, sorry, in love and good works. And it's to be persistent in it all. Recognising that being part of a community, a family of the kind of sizes that churches are, means there are going to be things we might not always like. But that doesn't change the fact that God has called us to be part of the community. Focus on God and not the other stuff. And encourage one another, I say again, as we continue on our race towards our Saviour. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word and the the many different things that it gives us as instruction, as guidance. And Lord, we just pray for these words that we have explored together this morning. That Lord, this coming week we would seek seek you out And ask of you, Lord, to help us to love the other people we will come into contact with and to do the good works that you you bring before us. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be intentional about our encouragement towards one another. That we would keep building one another up. Knowing, Lord, that there are so much things in this world that can knock us and discourage us. Knowing, Lord, that there's an enemy who seeks to do these things and far more to each of us help us, Lord, to encourage one another and to do it with the urgency that the writer of Hebrews is asking of his readers, to do it knowing the day is drawing near, and as we encourage one another, we help one another on our race, on our path, with our challenges and with the things that you're calling and asking of us. So help us, we pray, to be a blessing to one another, to be a blessing to the world around us and to bring glory to your name, by how we impact this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite the band up now. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing our closing song, a song of recognition.